0: Um, To me, it's all about us being an input into making people and organizations that we work with smarter. And if we do that and we do it really, really well, we don't have to show our value. They're gonna show everybody else our value. (laughs)
1: in the studio again so tracked by the video sorry go ahead Oh, okay what video our our video feed
0: like my beard (laughs) here connects but then here there's like a spot that doesn't connect (sighs) whatever I'll just I'll just I would have never
1: noticed if you didn't say I'm just gonna face this way that way (laughs) Uh, what I was going to say was, is where we started last week. I was talking about potentially having to do, do a ten mile run in the rain last weekend, or at least in, you know when we were talk when we talked last week. It was the weekend coming up. I'm pleased to report that the tropical storm that was coming up the coast gave us like the perfect window. As I got to where the run was, the rain stopped, and then it didn't start raining until maybe about an hour after I finished. Oh, nice! nice. Oh, it was perfect. Perfect timing. That's awesome. Did you see John's run on Instagram?
0: I did. Speaking of tropical storms, like yeah. by the time he had finished his run, like the street was a little literal river. That was crazy. Yep.
1: Yeah, it's nuts there because I think he's going into the rainy season, right? Yeah,
0: the monsoon. Oh, when the monsoon. Monsoon season. season. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you got yours in, and it was probably an overcast and the nice running conditions.
1: And- the sun came out a couple times, but yeah, it was mostly overcast and just. Fortunately, you know, no rain. Nice. So, all good, all Must good. be living right. Yeah. So what's up with you?
0: I just, uh, you know, I don't know. Made some coffee. I think I'm on two a day now. Up from my one a day. Yeah, so. you don't know what I'm on right now. I I, got yeah. back. I've got a
1: problem at the moment with coffee. <laughs> and here's the problem is that like, I know there's some people that don't like coffee, but drink it just for the caffeine. I actually enjoy it. Like, I enjoy a nice afternoon cup of coffee. Yeah. But I need to... I, I probably need to dial it back.
0: I mean, I'm not complaining about the caffeine. Uh, it's definitely uh, helpful. Mm-hmm. But I I enjoy drinking it. It's good. Yeah, same here. And I love the process of making it. Like, I think we've talked about it. for Whether I'm doing... Mm-hmm. The espresso there or there's my pour over set up on this side, it's a good 10, 12 minute process to make a cup for me. Maybe 15 minutes after I clean everything up and put it away. But it's like this 15 minute break in my day where I can just have like this meditative period and like just meticulously weighing out the beans and grinding it. It's, 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 I need that 15
1: minutes. So once in the
0: morning, once in the afternoon, I'm going to call it healthy. Mm hmm
1: yeah i i am the same way like I just yeah I don't go through that whole process, but the taking the moment to just walk away have the cup of coffee walk around did you see that post I sent you um uh, regarding just uh inspiration and like creative thinking walking and standing versus sitting when was that uh I think I sent it last weekend I put it in the slack channel you heon and I have
0: oh. I may have
1: missed that. I'll have to go. Yeah, go back and take a look at that. I I came across an article that is that that shows that like creative thinking and you made me think of this talking about kind of getting away from the desk and taking the moment to walk away, go through the process and whatnot. The same thing that they, they are showing how like the creative process, like taking a walk, getting up and moving away from your desk, whether you go take a walk through the neighborhood, jump on a treadmill or just walk around the house, like pace the house. Like that's what I do when I, I get my afternoon cup of coffee is I make it. And then I I have the cup and I walk around for a little bit and it kind of gets that afternoon, uh, creative thinking going. And yes, part of it is the caffeine that, that helps a little bit later on. But yeah, the act of walking around and that's why they were saying like standing desks have become such a thing. They've, Mm. they've helped a lot as well as people have treadmill desks. So the desk spanning over a treadmill. So They're constantly walking. Now, I mean, there are times when, like, I need to sit and concentrate, but most times, like, even today, like, I was um, putting together plans for a client visit Jason and I are doing next week, and I took the iPad and was just pacing the house, starting to stub out ideas, and then sat down to flesh, flesh a bit more out. This is not a segue into our topic.
0: We're going way off the rails. But <clears throat> that's why the asses in seats policy is so is so asinine. Like, mm-hmm. m- some of my most valuable moments for our clients have, has, have come in the shower, uh-huh. for a hike, sitting on the back deck, like, nowhere near my computer, quote, doing work. But mm-hmm. was I not
1: doing work? Was I not creating value? Well, you know, the... I, have told you the story, like how we've come up with our own way of managing work. And, you know, in, since the time of it, like we, we've constantly worked it over and, and added to it, modified it and whatnot. But the idea of how we use Trello, for example, came to me when I was out shoveling snow, we were out, uh, we were facing an issue with a client where like we were falling into the pattern of last in first out. You know, the most or the most latest, or the latest request was the most urgent and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And what we would do is every month, every three months, we would look back and all the big things we'd set out to do, we made no progress because we got all of these other little things done, which actually in the long term had no value to the org. And it was, I was out shoveling snow, I'm like, I think I know how. And I started working with it and we've refined it in the three years since. And we're constantly working to tweak it and make it better. But yeah, like that idea right there and that actually helped get that one client back on track was, yeah, it it came completely away from the desk and not even doing work at all. Yep. I'm a fan. Yeah. And then I have a podcast episode queued up to listen to. And it's talking about like how to, um, you know, when's the best time to drink coffee? Because right oh. now, like, I have a cup when I first wake up. Yeah. And then I have a cup or two in the afternoon, that which I enjoy. And the person who recommended it to, to me told me, like, the best time is is about two to three hours after you wake up. Oh, really? That's how you optimize the use of caffeine for, I don't for know thinking. If I, I don't know if I can do it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I have delayed, though. I would have coffee, like minutes after waking up but now um i'll have water and something to eat before so it's maybe 30 45 minutes after waking up yeah but i don't know if it's the routine or the like need of it in my system but like until i get that i feel like i'm not primed to be doing math and statistics
1: until i get that first (laughs) cup in me so yeah yeah I, i i like to have a cup of coffee and then get a workout in in the morning and then start work and, and then have a, have a cup later. So I'm, I'm going to listen to it and I'll let you know what I, uh, what I hear, but yeah, definitely take a look at that one uh, article about how walking uh, stimulates creative thinking. Well, I'm interested in
0: uh, hearing what your findings are from, from the, yeah.
1: but I think it does give us a segue into, into our topic today because oh. we were talking about like, you, know, you, you had just mentioned, I gave an example of how the most valuable work we produce is not being in front of the computer banging away. It's the, you, you even brought up the whole idea of like, it's valuable for the company to have asses in seats and whatnot. And this article goes completely counter to that. Like the ideas and creative thinking and the examples we gave of the really good ideas we had are away from the desk, they're out walking and you know you have those moments of inspiration. So, Today, I want to continue our topic around value. We, 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 we started last week with talking about like, what is value? What does it mean when someone talks about provide value? I want to continue that with the question of today of how do you show value, and specifically with digital analytics, without being tied directly to revenue? I, I, we, we were talking about the need for analytics teams specifically um, to be able to show value. Mm-hmm. It's becoming more and more critical. Every conversation I had, there is this growing trend. Um, John and I were talking over Slack yesterday about like something he saw with one client, what I'm seeing with others. I'm like, there's a growing trend here. We need to talk about this. Like, We need to get ahead of it. All of these organizations are starting to push for value. And I we've talked previously about optimization programs and analytics and um, why it shouldn't necessarily be tied to revenue. So then the next question is, is how do you show rev- show value without being tied to revenue? Because I'll say this, like if you aren't able to show that, the default is going to be, well, how do you contribute to revenue of the company? Yeah. So I know that there was a lot there. There's a lot to unpack, but that's where I want to go today. So for digital analytics teams, how do you show value without being tied directly to revenue?
0: Yeah, I I like the topic. And and I know there has been a huge push and people talk a lot about the fact that you have to get as close to revenue as possible. And and on on one hand, I I understand the the argument. Obviously, revenue is the the lifeblood of of any business. Um, Even nonprofits can't operate without revenue coming in in the form of donations. So money makes these businesses go, and so it's... um, I think a bit hazardous for us to think that we can just do a job and not think about ultimately how, how this impacts the health of the company. However, we need to be realistic. Um, one size does not fit all and if you work in a five person startup, your ability to influence revenue as an analyst is vastly different from if you work in a 300 versus a 300,000 person company. You know your your ability to get quote close to revenue impacted becomes more and more difficult um and there's also a bit of a trap there and you can say well i influenced a million dollars in net new revenue for the company it's like okay, well, how much money is that company making? Because a million dollars could be double the revenue of the company and that is massive and you probably should be getting a huge raise. Or a million dollars could be a rounding error for a company that they don't even notice on their balance sheet. So, you know, it, it, it's, such a, it's such a delicate position to be in. And furthermore, while I think it, again, I don't want people to walk away saying, well, Jason says it's not important to think about revenue. Um, because obviously, again, it's, it's the lifeblood of any business. We have to be acutely aware of the things that we're doing um, that impact revenue positively or negatively. But from a how are we valued, how are we measured, it, it's worrisome to me. Uh, I wrote a, I wrote a little bit about this um, in my newsletter last week where I talked about the Boeing problem. And I think we may have talked about it on this podcast Um yeah, where, we we've mentioned it a couple times. Where the Boeing seven, the the Boeing Max, um, you know, ran into all these problems, and sadly there were two accidents, which killed several hundred people, and the the net cause of it was, um, in part, the inspectors were too close to the company and at times had a financial interest in the company, meaning that if they approved it and the max went out then Boeing stock price went up and then they got more money and so that financial component influenced their objectivity or in fact made them less objective and so it's it's really worrisome to me when we make that the ultimate revenue or the ultimate value measurement as of an analyst you know tying tying your work to revenue because it just makes it far too m- Far too much of a, I don't want to call it a trap, but a temptation to change results, to lose objectivity. Because if I show that revenue went up or something we did had a positive impact on revenue, then it's worrisome. And I called this out 10 years ago um, when testing, A B testing companies said, Hey, you know, we're going to be paid on how much we increase your revenue. I'm like, Oof. Like, I get it on one hand. It's a very compelling positioning statement. But man, is that ripe for temptation. You know, if our, if my pay is based on how much revenue I increase for you and I get to control those numbers and levers, right? And we've seen it in ad agencies, like ad agencies as well, fudging the numbers because they get paid on performance. And so it's, it's a really worrisome place to be in. And even taking off the, like, ethical... Are we, are we fudging the numbers? If I'm being validated, if I'm being valued and rewarded based on how close I am to revenue, how does that impact how I do my job for the positive or negative? And I'm gonna bring this back to sports because I've seen this happen in sports contracts for a long, long time. I'm sure you've seen it as well. I've seen it primarily in soccer because that's the sport I follow the most. I'd be interested to see if you've seen it in baseball or hockey, but these contracts are becoming more and more complicated where it's not just you get paid X a year, but now I have performance incentives and bonuses. You know, if if I score so many goals, or I get so many assists, or if we make the playoffs, or if this or that, and what happens? I become much less of a team player and much more of as a I'm out to get my contract fulfilled, right? So if my contract is I get paid more if I score more goals and I'm out on the field and I have an opportunity to pass a gym for a wide open shot on goal, am I passing it to Jim? Maybe, but I guarantee you it's going through my head that I probably should take this for me because I'm going to get paid for it.
1: Yeah, and you're also seeing it with trades too, um, draft picks. Uh, The placement of the draft pick often depends upon the placement of of the other team. Just recently, I I saw it only briefly, but with Aaron Rodgers getting hurt on the fourth play of the season Mm -hmm. for the New York Jets, that impacts the compensation that they have to give as far as the, the draft pick that they have to send back to Green Bay as part of Aaron Rodgers going to the New York Jets. So, you know, in that case, like, you know, I'm, that's just the most, you know, recent example of where I've seen it, but you're seeing it that, that way as well. Yeah. But yeah, like you can't tell me that, you know, when, when monetary compensations involved, like even the most honest person is, is going to have their, their ethics and their standards at least challenged. You can't tell me that, you know, there's not anybody that's not tempted mm-hmm. to do something. We've we talked time and time again about how one agency I worked for, like, uh, actually probably almost 15 years ago at this point, where the quarterly goals were billability and utilization, you know, and where you have control of those levers yep. in the form of the timesheets that that you enter. Yep. Um, you can't tell me that people weren't tempted, and you can't tell me that there were even people that that, that fudged those numbers. And I worked, um, for someone several years ago, like I was in his organization. He was the senior director and like, he had like his rules for engagement and whatnot. And one of his things was, um, a bad, a bad environment, a bad culture will lead to the most honest people behaving badly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's why I love this conversation about how do we show value other than revenue, right? Because it's, it's kind of the opposite of this trend of we have to get close to revenue. We have to influence revenue. And I'm kind of saying, well, maybe there's a roundabout way of doing that where we avoid the temptation of losing our objectivity and fudging numbers in order to influence that metric that we're being tied to from a value perspective. So how do we value it? How do we show our value? Um, to me it's all about us being an input into making people and organizations that we work with smarter and if we do that and we do it really really well we don't have to show our value they're going to show everybody else our value um and so a couple examples is if if we're making our marketing team smarter and they're running better campaigns that are resulting in happier customers with more lifetime value, their marketing spend is more efficient, and we're playing a key role in helping inform that process and making them smarter, not dumping reports, not giving them a report card, but truly being a partner with them to say, I'm here to make you guys smarter, and I have all of these tools that we can use to help make you guys smarter. You can apply that same methodology to marketing teams, to, to product teams, to executive teams, to support organizations, like that's really where I think we should be focusing on showing our value, is we have all of this incredibly valuable information and insights. We often see our job as being report pushers or writing report cards on the effectiveness of marketing rather than seeing ourselves as an incredibly valuable source of information that these teams can use to become smarter and better at what they do. And if, if, we're, if we're successful doing that, we don't have to go out and quote unquote toot our own horn. These teams are gonna be doing the marketing for us. Just think about how when we've been able to do that for some of our clients, they've verbalized that to us. And maybe they're joking to the extent that they would go, but we've had clients that say things like, man, you I, you have helped make me so much smarter and better what I do. I feel like, you know what, next to Adobe Summit, I'm gonna pay for a booth and sit there and tell everybody that comes by how awesome it is to work at 33six, sticks or to work with 33six. sticks. That same thing is going to happen with our internal customers. If we focus on making the people that we work with smarter and more successful, they're gonna go out and market the hell out of us and tell everybody because they're gonna be so grateful for the value that we created for them. And here's the amazing thing, and the thing that we realized with with our customers. When we do that, you can't not impact revenue in a positive way. And so while we're saying, you know, don't get close to revenue, don't make that the ultimate measure of your value, when you focus on making people in the organization smarter and better at what they do, I've never seen it not have a positive impact on revenue.
1: Yeah. I mean, there are it's very similar to, to some of like the, um, quotes they've attributed to various executives. I think of, um, um, uh, Richard Branson. Um, I think of the, the founder of, of Southwest airlines, they've talked about how, you know, if you want to take care of your customers, take care of your employees. If you take care of your employees, they will make sure that your customers are are taken care of. So I think of that when you're talking in that sense, if you're making your internal customers, your internal clients better, at what they do, making their job easier, making them feel like they have a better handle on information, they'll make sure people know the value that you provide.
0: Yeah. And I think somewhere along the line, we lost sight of that. Um, I see so few people talking about how often do we hear this as a topic of conversation at the conferences we attend, you know, it's, it's all about these different analytical methods or implementation methodologies, or, you know, how to run good A-B tests and all of these things are important topics, but shouldn't also in that lineup of topics, we should be talking about. What our role is as analysts um, is it to is it to do math? Is it to tell be a data storyteller? Is it to uh, create dashboards, or is it to use those things and, and our expertise and knowledge to help the people that we're working with become smarter and better at what they do? I mean, to me, the easy answer is that it's the latter.
1: Yeah, but the, I think the reason being is it's 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 hard. It, yeah. It's it, it's hard and it takes time it's not something that you can produce in a month. It takes days and weeks and months of building rapport and sharing information and making progress incrementally. So, you know, pushing a boulder, you know, a little bit every day to then finally look back and see the progress that that's made. So there isn't that quick dopamine hit we've been so conditioned for immediate response, immediate gratification, um, immediate attention, all of this stuff so that when something doesn't materialize right away, it's up, this isn't working. So it is easier Mm -hmm. to find ways to tie things to revenue because there's that immediate and um, very gratifying feeling like, Oh, look what I did here instead of the, Yep, continuing to make progress in this area, working with this team, continuing to make them better. It, it is hard work, and I don't want to dismiss that. It is very hard. Yeah, um, and that's well. That's what I'm saying is, is yeah. that's why we default to the other yeah, things. Uh, yeah, that's I, why I, we do those things that you were mentioning at a conference, because it's it's a grind it's very very hard. It is. Yeah, and it takes a lot of dedication and and it's not something that you're
0: ever done doing. It's it's a continuous thing that you have to invest in if you're going to be successful in in doing that, but the you know by by taking the other approach we've earned kind of the reputation that we have gotten in the industry that we're like these number nerds that you know can't socialize with the rest of the people in the business we don't understand the business they they keep us locked in the basement you know walking through our spreadsheets for a reason, like then we've earned that reputation that we've gotten and we can complain all we want. And we've talked about this, like, well, why don't we have, you know, why don't we get invited up to the 19th floor to sit at the executive table and, you know, with your other, this is why, like, you know, we've earned this, this reputation. And so in order to get the things that we want, we have to be able to do the things that we haven't done before. And that is, um, you know, putting in this incredibly hard work, Um, to see that there are people and humans and stories and emotions behind the data. Um, And that we can use that to help make these teams that we're working with smarter and stop looking at our job as being the distributors of data, um, as the people that, that clean and house the data and build dashboards for people to look at. Again, we do all of those things. But that's not our purpose, you know? And it's like, again, like we shouldn't be talking to all the other teams about how we're making the sausage. We should give them something that they want that's going to make them happy and fulfilled and content. And that's not not seeing the pieces of how we do the math and all this stuff that we get so caught up in doing and we forget that our purpose, our role, is to be an input of knowledge and inspiration for, for these teams to become better at what they do. And I think when we do that, then we do get a seat at the table. We do become an advisor. We do start to have the conversations that we want to have because it's clear that, um, we're, we're interested in making a positive impact and that we can see beyond just, just the numbers. But you know, I, I'll, I, I always giggle when we have this conversation because I think about my first day when I was working at, uh, the online dating company, um, I walked in there and one of the guys that I ended up sitting down next to he said, I'm not gonna lie, dude, like we were all worried that we we're gonna get some like math nerd with the pocket protector and the tape on the glasses and was just gonna sit here and crank out math. He's like the fact that you want to talk to us about what we're doing and how you can help us is like, so refreshing. <laughs> and I'm like, but, but that was their initial thought, right? Like, uh, this like number pushers kind of going to come in and like start grading us and like, you know, giving us all these models. So, you know, and <laughs> not that those things are bad, but if we truly want to have the impact that we say we want to have, we have to remember that our value and how we show value is in helping these people that we're working with to become more informed and smarter and better what they do. Um, I just don't see that there's any other way to do it. I've answered all of Jim's questions in 26 minutes and 36 seconds. Yes. (laughs) But that's it, right? I mean, like we we can we can continue to go down both of the paths. We can talk about the dangers of being too closely tied to revenue. We can continue to talk about the value, you know, how we're we're valued. But but maybe let's elevate it to the people that are placing the value because I think that that's an important discussion as well, right? So oh, you made me think of something I did want to talk about. Okay, so go, go for it. No, 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 go for it.
1: Well, because where I wanted to say is like, I wanted to get into a bit of, you know, some of the pitfalls. Because we did talk about the pitfall of tying to revenue and the conflict of interest there. Um, The other pitfall I saw is, is like, if you are not proactive in defining the value you bring to the organization, in this case, we talked about making other teams better, smarter, uh, better at what they do, making their jobs easier. I think of the cliche of, if you fail to plan, you become part of somebody else's plan. Mm -hmm. Um, In this case, this is how you, you know, you do get pulled into being tied directly to, to revenue. When it may even be something you cannot influence, because again, I think it's, it's an easy thing to say, like, how are you contributing to, to the company? How are you either reducing costs or how are you increasing top line revenue? If you're not, active in stating the value you provide, you get you get sucked into how somebody else wants yeah. to define the value you provide. A- absolutely. And, I,
0: and that's exactly where I was going is, you know, it, it can be one thing for us as an analytics organization to say, hey, you know what, we really value partnering with marketing, partnering with finance, partnering with product in order to help be a source of valuable information and insight to them. You know it's one thing for us to say that it's a whole other thing for our chain of command to accept that that's how we're valued you know and if we just assume that they're going to value the things that we say we're going to value we know how that ends up it, it probably ends up very very poorly and so especially for us as analytics teams because we we've kind of still yet to find a home you know we're we're in marketing we're in finance, we're in, you know, who knows where, we're in IT, we're in, you know, we're in engineering. Uh, We've yet to find a home. And so if we're not comfortable managing upwards, helping sell that vision of what our value is, you're right. Our our default's going to be what is important to them. So if I'm in marketing, then we're going to be valued on generating more Leads, sales, whatever they're measured on. If we're in finance, we're going to be measured on, you know, better revenue, healthier revenue stream, because that's what finance cares about. If we're in, you know, like, if we're in engineering, we're going to be measured on page load time, because that's what they care about. And so, you know, if we don't have a plan and have a comfort level with managing up through our, uh, through our management chain, we're, we're going to be in a world of hurt. Because very few people listening to this podcast. I would say north of 90% of the listeners don't report up through an analytics organization. There's not a senior level executive that owns analytics. So likely they report up through, again, marketing or engineering or finance or something like that. And so if they're not comfortable as a director of analytics going to the CFO or the VP of finance and saying, hey, I know this is what you're measured on but here is what we're measured on as an analytics team, here's what our value and purpose is, then you're going to be measured on their default, you're going to be miserable, and you're also going to look like a failure because you're not going to align to that. Or if you do align to that, you're going to be forced to fudge your numbers to make it align with your, so it's a it, it's a very, very challenging situation. So the critical path is one, do we understand our value as an analytics organization? If we, and if we don't, we have to put in the work to understand that, and then two, Given that we most likely don't report up through an executive from a data perspective that gets it how comfortable are we in selling our vision and value to what our, to our management chain above us we you know those things have to be done we can't just hope that it will be done because we know it will never happen yeah
1: because as we've been talking about the the pitfalls of being tied to revenue I could also think of a lot of other metrics that it's a bad idea to be tied to. Like the minute you mentioned being in, in, in an engineering org, all I could think of is, you know, Jira ticket velocity and points per sprint and being held to an arbitrary sprint and, uh, you know, like things like that, um, that that's bad too. Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's why our value shouldn't be tied to metrics. You know, it doesn't matter. I mean, revenue is the most obvious, but if it's fill in the blank of the metric, if that's what we're valued as, as an analyst, we will fall into the trap of influencing that metric in order to look better. Again, like I'm going to score, try to score the goal, even though as a team, it would be better if Jim scored the goal. What is, and that's why I'm going to go back to why I think it's so much better, so much healthier to tie our value to making other People and organizations smarter and better at what they do. If if we can get away from our value being tied to a metric, implementations deployed, variables captured, revenue influenced, leads generated—like none of those things should 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 be calculated into how valuable we are as analysts.
1: What do you see as preventing an organization from doing that? Lack of executive leadership that gets it.
0: Because I think we, you, you may have a really smart person running your, your analytics team, but if you put them in a situation where they're being kept down because they're not in the right reporting structure, they don't have the support from an executive to be able to do these things, I empathize, right? Because it's, it's one thing to sit here and say it, it's a whole other thing to do it and fill the, the crushing forces of those internal politics. And look, At the end of the day, these people wanna get a paycheck. And so just think about that stress they're under of, do I do the right thing? Do I do the thing that I think is best for the long-term health of the analytics organization? Or do I do the thing that's gonna make it more likely that I keep getting paid? You don't want to put your employees in the ladder, especially your analysts, because again, like the value they're able to produce, if they're producing out of fear, is incredibly low, incredibly low. So I think the biggest challenge is these teams need strong executive level buy-in and support to be able to do these things. Otherwise, they're just getting beat up everywhere within the organization, and ultimately, they're just going to become, you know, the ultimate yes man, and they're just yeah. going to say yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Just give me my paycheck. And and how many times have we seen that happen? A lot with clients. It, it's, it, it's it's you it's. I want to say it's it's the norm where these analysts have been beaten down the creativity has been beaten out of them and it's just like i need to collect a paycheck so i'm just going to produce whatever i'm told to. and just think about it on
0: the flip side where we've been able to work with these companies and change that culture how much better it has been the satisfaction the happiness of employees and again all these things that they want to have happen we have better customer experiences. We have better revenue. Going back to your Richard Branson quote, like if you take care of your employees, then they're gonna take care of your customer. Like this whole thing, we're all interconnected in, in doing this. And yes, so many analytics teams, and I've talked, I talked about this, uh, at a talk I gave, I think at Observe Point. I definitely talked about it in a talk I gave at the DHL Analytics Conference. Um, these teams feel beat up and overwhelmed and to the point of just wanting to give up. And I empathize. I have been there. I understand the stresses they are under. And all I could say is like, keep fighting the good fight. But I also need to be realistic of, unless you have someone willing to come in and throw you a lifeline and an executive level sponsorship, it's going to be really rough. It's still going to be difficult, but man, without that you know, level of support and someone kind of going to bat for you and having your back... It's going to be really,
1: really challenging. Yeah, agreed. So I think we, we covered this really well, and I want to make sure we don't stray into some of the other topics. That's always the hardest this- part for me, because I'm, like, yeah. oh, no.
0: I'm like, I don't want to go down a, 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 no, a yeah,
1: for a future episode. Yeah, and nor do I want to, want to stop you, but I, I also kind of want to prevent us from beating this topic to death. I think we covered, and, and the time has flown, Like these are always the great ones when I look up and I see we're at, you know, we're approaching 40 minutes already. Um, so I think like, let's wrap up there for now. Um, I think we really covered this well and, you know, talking about the pitfalls of being tied to revenue, how you can unknowingly get tied to that or worse metrics and really where, um, you know what should be the measure of success for yep. an analytics team so any yeah, any great. other final thoughts before we wrap up
0: no i think this was this was a great conversation again if you're if you're sitting in an analytics team and you're listening to this that that first question of how do we show value if if you're not clear on that spend some time prioritizing thinking about that as a team because it, to your point if 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 you don't have a reason or purpose someone else is going to give you one and it's probably not what is going to be best for you or for them so if that's not clear within your team and organization definitely prioritize some time to think
1: about that cool cool let's let's wrap up there um thanks thanks for the time this week and we'll talk to everyone later see ya see ya